Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How are you doing, Trey? <laughs> Man, this feels weird. We we recorded earlier this week for the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer that finally came out. Yes. And so it feels like we're double dipping this week. It does. It does. I was like, we just recorded. What are we doing? But uh, yeah, <laughs> we've we've put in our work. We could take the week yeah. off, right? You know what? It was it was such a glorious day. <laughs> the Spider Man trailer coming out. And the best part of it, and was you calling it, which I didn't give you credit for at the time. <laughs> but looking back on it, when I was doing like the social media post where I was like adding a bunch of different things to the Instagram carousel, yeah. I made sure to get your screenshot, and I was like. Jude knocked that out of the park. <laughs> it was so dismissive. Well, you know what? Friend Daniel kind of gave me a hard time. He was like, yeah, but how many times were you wrong? <laughs> you only have to be right once and hope everybody forgets all the others. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's the story of my Otherwise life. Otherwise known as our WandaVision coverage. No kidding, right? Mephisto, Mephisto, Mephisto. <laughs> X-Men are coming. <sighs> oh, man. But yeah, that that's that's how I'm doing. It's been weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, what about you? I'm doing all right. I think it's interesting that we're coming around that time that it's hurricane season again. I know. So we probably shouldn't have guests because they're just going to be rescheduled. <laughs> well, hey, hopefully history doesn't repeat itself because there is a projected hurricane. And the last time I was editing and it's my week to edit. So if this episode's late this Monday, you know mm -hmm. why. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh, man. I think we'll be in the clear. And so, you know, I'm just glad that tomorrow is Friday. Um, and I realize as you're listening to it, it's a Monday. But as we record, pull out the podcast bingo card. Tomorrow is Friday. Nice. So, yeah. Oh, my friend, but it'd be a little bit of time traveling. Um, my friend uh, or friends, my cousin, Paul, who's a listener of the pod, will is actually staying with me for the weekend. So that'll be fun. And he'll be here tomorrow. Um, but as he's listening to this, it will have happened. <laughs> Podcasting is wild. Yep. <laughs> well, if you downloaded this episode, you know we're going to be talking about What If Season 1, Episode 3, What If the World Lost Its Mightiest Heroes. So the way we're going to do this is we're going to have some pre-spoiler thoughts, uh, which is a chance for us to talk about the episode without spoiling it. And eventually that'll bring us to a audio cue, which will bring us to the spoiler zone. But before we get there, uh, Jude, what are your pre-spoiler thoughts for this episode? I really enjoyed it. It, it was one of those that, hmm, how do I explain it? It was one of those where I just kind of sat back and enjoyed it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Still had that cartoon feel we talked about last week. I don't think it had as many cartoon-ish lines in the writing if that makes sense yeah but it but it was definitely you know a, a well-paced kind of saturday morning cartoon uh <laughs> you know and god with streaming services and no tv i don't even know if my kids know what saturday morning cartoons are oh man <laughs> i never even thought about that i know and so in that sense it took me back which was really cool mm -hmm. and you pre-spoiler thoughts pre-spoiler thoughts you know one of the things we always talk about whenever we review series whether it's the movies or the the disney plus series whatever it is is this feeling of either and then this happened storytelling or actual cause and effect storytelling yeah. this i think was the best demonstration of cause and effect storytelling that i've seen okay i think it helps that it is these quick 
under 30 minutes, like dip in, dip out episodes. But that gives him the freedom to really boil down the storytelling. And I I think that was impressive. Mm -hmm. And I think what also helps that is that at its core, this is a murder mystery. Yeah. And despite, I'll get into it once we get into the spoiler zone, but despite some quibbles I have with it, it did keep me engaged in that mystery all the way to the end, which is really impressive. Oh, yeah. And and the last pre-spoiler thought, I like that this episode is essentially what if phase one was as interconnected as the later seasons of the MCU. Yes. We, yeah. and, and I love that it went through... You know, because we talk about the the week and mm-hmm. how it jumped around, like you said, those movies through the week. And that was really, really fun. Well, those are our pre-spoiler thoughts. So that leaves us with the spoiler zone. So like we said, you're going to hear an audio cue. And on the other side, it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU. So we'll see you on the other side. And we're back. Nice. So we're going to be breaking these down into the most important topics, which as we've been doing for these last two episodes and now this third one, we're going to start with the choice as the first main important topic. This is the section for us to really describe and dig into what has changed in this universe. So with this episode, Jude, where would you like to start? For me, I I really liked the way... We jumped into Iron Man 2. Uh, it felt very similar to episode one, where we're Captain America First Avenger, and then all of a sudden there's that deviation. So I, I really enjoyed that part, considering like where they go, and it's, as we mentioned, the murder mystery and the who done it. It was something I wasn't expecting. You know, It was a really good murder mystery in the sense of I wasn't expecting it, but they give you enough information towards the end that you can figure it out, sort of. But yeah, I really like that that element because like okay we're doing Iron Man 2 we're doing Iron Man 2 the next thing you know he just kills over um, mm-hmm. so I I really enjoyed the way they did the choice in this one it's definitely not clearly as defined of a choice from last week and even more so in that first episode which I think has been the most defined choice of the series so far and that tripped me up a little bit but the more I thought about it I think I appreciated that it wasn't like a drastic change so much as a an illuminating look like I like that we got that walk up to a familiar zone where it's Nat and Fury in the car as they're approaching Stark right so it was cool to kind of like get this pulled back view a bit which is I think another potential of this what if series like so much of it is like oh expanding the possibilities of what could happen and I think this episode gave us like okay well here's just a kind of pulled back view too and I appreciated that yeah it's giving us something that we hadn't seen before that fits within what we're familiar with. And I think it really is following the idea of a multiverse fairly closely. You know, I mean, I mean the idea that, you know, there's some other universe out there where there's a slight deviation. And then Mm. there's another universe where there's, you know, that, that is a different deviation, you know? And, and so with the, the movies that we're used to seeing rooting us in that. And I think that's where I got, where I was really disappointed in the first, in the second episode, which is weird because I know so many people love it, but they didn't, for me, put us into that movie. And then we see that deviation. You know, it was just like, we see the beginning of what is Guardians. Okay, let's rewind and see the difference. And, and so it, it just kind of took me out of it, you know? So in, in that, like that that's something that I really enjoyed about it is is that framing or that rooting in the familiar. Yeah. 
I do want to make one slight clarification here. It's funny how what if in these first three episodes is already so wild that Tony Stark can die. And I felt comfortable saying not a drastic change. And what I mean by that, what I mean by that, obviously, that's huge. All the Avengers died in this episode. Spoilers. But for the most part, the storylines played out the same way. Minus the fact that everybody's dropping dead, but it wasn't a drastic change. Like because this happened, now this person is in space. If that makes sense, yes, that that makes sense. So, so just to clarify, like it was, it was like a, it was like a self-governing TVA timeline where it's like, oh, we keep trying to go back to where we were supposed to be, but we can't. Right. Well, I mean, and it makes sense, right? Because everybody's following their same path, right? Yeah. And the the choice, the off-screen choice. You know, that that takes us in the deviation, then continues, and you get the logical progression of, okay, so now Black Widow goes for Banner here rather than when they're trying to get the Avengers together. Right. Um, Loki showing up and to revenge Thor, you know, is a logical conclusion. You know, when when Thor would naturally be going and and on separately and as and Asgard, you know, and so yeah, so like that in in doing what he did in the first Thor movie, so yeah, so like I I like it in the way you said it's like and then this happened and then this happened, but it wasn't way out in left field. Mm-hmm. Well, unless there's any more here in the choice, I think we can go ahead and move into our next most important topic. So this one is going to be Fury's big week. Now, this is going to entail everything to do with Fury as he progressed through this episode in a familiar but not too familiar progression of trying to recruit his projected candidates for the Avengers initiative. So starting with me this time, I think what I found really impressive about this episode is that it bridged three movies from one perspective. Mm -hmm. So Fury's big week is already something I think a lot of the fans were familiar with because I think that might have been one of the first like oh these are all truly connected moments where you could see the interlocking storyline of Iron Man 2 Hulk and Thor and to an extent Captain America as it led up into the Avengers right those took place over four movies but because we're from the perspective of Nick Fury they can condense all of that into one And I think that's just such a nice mechanic for this story, especially because it's a murder mystery. So having the Monday, Tuesday, and like it's almost like you could hear the dun dun of law and order without them actually having to use that. Oh, yeah. So that was that was really impressive. In that sense, I also think it's fitting that Fury, it was centered on Fury because, you know, it was Fury's idea to bring the team together, you know, so to speak. But I also like how they made fun of the speech all the way through <laughs> like i've heard it i've read it you know and in, in that i wrote um, the speech yeah like that, that was so for me that was so good but you're right like like you had the opportunity to see that but it makes sense if you're going to do this that's who you center it on right because this is him attempting to play out his idea and and watch him have to deal with it step by step yeah and, and talking about this i think that's what helps solidify what was off-putting to me about the choice not being clearly defined 
we I mean, we we're in spoiler zone. We know that the biggest change was Hank Pym going on this mission to take out the Avengers initiative. So it was interesting to me that the choice was divorced from the main character, which is Nick Fury in this situation. Mm -hmm. But given the overall message that I think this episode is shooting for, I don't think the choice has to be Nick Fury's because it is all about his resolve and I don't know. I guess I'm still exploring my feelings about that, whether given the short time frame, you can pull that off where it's not his choice, but it's still his story, right. if that makes sense. It does. But it also, like, with that, the ramifications of with the Avengers gone, it made it easier for Loki, Loki to take over, which mm-hmm. makes sense, but it happened in a completely different way, you know, and shows how needed the Avengers were and are. Well, you know, speaking of Loki's arrival, I mean, the tagline of the series is one question changes everything. And I think I'm trying to evaluate my words here because I did mention earlier not being a drastic change. And I had originally wrote, I think so far this episode has been the perfect encapsulation of that. And I think even though the changes aren't drastic, you can see the cascading effects of them far more just because we already talked about how there's this feeling of a shifting storyline where because this happened, now Nat's here. Because this happened, now Fury's here. And it takes what was already a big week for Fury and makes it a tremendous week. And I think it goes to show kind of what I was saying about Fury's resolve, but also proving the point of the Avengers of like they needed them. And now we get to see a, a glimpse of what it wouldn't of what it would be like without them. And and to just round that off, I, I want to I, you know, I mentioned the phrase last week, a lived in world because of these sliding storylines. It does feel like it's traces of that lived in world because of Stark dying and the way that affected the plans. It shows how stacked everything is against Fury, which I think will bring us to a very satisfactory resolution by the end. Well, I'm wondering if this is just me and why I like this episode so much or may, or, you know, and, and let me just say it this way and see what you think in the, in the contributing to it, because we know these characters so well, because we were with them from phase one all the way to end game. And after with black widow, we had a lot to work with and outside knowledge. And I, and I think that that maybe helped for me enhance this uh, episode and maybe even help the writers in terms of, what they could do and rely on like previous knowledge of the character, you know, yeah. Make, making the jokes about Thor's looks, poking fun at the speech, you know, the way they portrayed general Ross and all, and all of that stuff. I think, I think they, a lot of heavy lifting didn't have to be done in this episode as they did with the others. You know, I mentioned this in that first solo episode where I came away from that one feeling like I watched a Marvel Legends episode for an alternate universe. And you saying what you just said now about the heavy lifting being the knowledge we have of the movies beforehand, I really think those two points are are clicking for me where I don't know how to bring like I'm already thinking ahead to because we always do a um, an overall wrap up episode. And mm-hmm. one of the things I've been thinking of throughout these first three episodes is I don't know if this series works without the prior knowledge for it not being as connected to the MCU as it feels right now. It's also not standalone either. And it's a weird nebulous space that it finds itself in. Yeah, this is completely not standalone. I hmm, I really would be interested to know. You know, because we hear the like, oh, I I saw Loki for the first time 
and now I'm going back and watching WandaVision and all the other stuff. Uh, I saw WandaVision for the first time, and that got me into the MCU. Man, I, I wonder how flat this falls, or does it work that way where it's a good entry way to the MCU? I don't feel like it is. This feels even harder to jump into than Endgame. Because I know it's happened before where somebody said like, oh yeah, I jumped in at Endgame and then went back to watch them all because I liked it that much. I don't know if you could do that for this. Yeah, I don't know either. Because even with the Watcher's dialogue, there's clearly a reference to something else. Yeah. You know, like the Iron Stomper? (laughs) Hydra Stomper. Why can't I get that right? Uh, The Hydra Stomper, you know... Screw it. Nazi thumper. Um, the Hydra stomper. <laughs> like, you know, I... Listen, I know your team's Stark, and it must tear at your core to know that Steve is in the Iron Man scene. Man. That's, all, well, that's why the disrespect. And that's what it is. It's just, it, like, the yeah. synapses in my brain just doesn't know which one to fire, because it's like, what? Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, like, to have that particular armor show up, like, you need to have seen Iron Man to, ha- to really understand and appreciate the connection, I feel. You know, same thing. You got to see Star Lord be an idiot to understand there. Or the whole like, or like the whole getting excited. Excited, you know, when when it is Star Lord versus the the who kind of thing. You know, the the quips about oh, it is genocide. Oh, it's efficient. Like without seeing Endgame. Uh, and then this, like, like what are they actually referring to when they give Stark the injection? You know. Yeah, it's it's hard to just jump in on these. But if you do jump in on this episode and then go back. Imagine the shock when you show up and you're like, Edward Norton? <laughs> That's not Hulk. Oh, man. Yeah, this uh, this definitely gave us a glimpse of what it would be like if uh, Ruffalo was there from the yeah. beginning. And it was uncanny. See, that maybe that was the choice. <laughs> <laughs> what if we never recast him? <laughs> oh, my oh, gosh. Man. How great would that would be? If they brought like Terrence Howard back to voice Rhodey, that's there's no way. And like Edward Norton, <laughs> you know, and you just like, what if we didn't recast? Oh, that man. would be so awesome. Or, or <laughs> this would be so great. Uh, you got Emily Blunt to voice Black Widow. Wow, now that's that's a deep. You definitely <laughs> be into the fandom to pick oh, that, that would up. Be so fantastic. Okay, well, you know, speaking of the influences from the entirety of the MCU, Hiddleston Thor, I do. <laughs> Hey, it's possible there. I got Hiddleston to do uh, Loki in this. So true. Let's have some fun with it. Anyway, like I was saying, uh, the influences of the MCU, I really like that this episode feels like it's pulling from a lot of different places. The obvious one is phase one, but I also feel like we're getting hints at a Winter Soldier type vibe, especially with the Natasha storyline. But since we're in the Fury section, his storyline really reminded me of Civil War in that spirit of destroy them from the inside kind of feeling that uh, Hank Pym was going. And so watching Fury come into conflict with that was very interesting. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you had the that hint because it was kind of a mystery. Um, it would bring Crossbones back. Frank Grillo does the voice. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, another thing that I really wanted to zone in on is the inclusion of Coulson. Uh, I put him here in the Nick Fury section just because their storylines are really tied together. My impression was that I think Coulson really evolved into being this comedic type character. Like he always had his humorous moments, but definitely in that first phase, he was a lot more straight laced than I think he was allowed to be funny. 
if that makes sense. Yes. And so it's fun to revisit phase one with a Coulson that just gets to be funny and sometimes a little weird. Well, I wonder, do we forget what Coulson was like in phase one? Because, you know, he didn't make it out of phase one because of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. You know, and I realize, you know, the can- canonicity. Is that a word? Mm-hmm. Okay. It is now. It's awesome. uh, MC you need to know canonicity. That's right. Canonicity. Um, because of the, you know, the canonicity question of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, um, the hope of the MCU rewind and the scourge of Leech. <laughs> I, I, I do. I wonder if that changes how we view Coulson, or in, at least in memory, you know. And so you're right. Getting to explore this was really, was really good. Well, to put it this way, I think this demonstrates Coulson in phase one more like he was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. than he was in phase one. Because I, I want to I be clear. I'm not saying that he was absent of comedic moments because he did have them. But I think there was, I think that was more attributed to Clark Gregg's personality than it was the character. And then the character evolved to be funny. Yeah. But, you know, sticking with Coulson, there's one more scene that I want to zone in on for this most important topic. And it was the one where Coulson and Fury are in the diner after Natasha has passed away. It, you know, Coulson's assuring Fury that like, hey, you're not down every Avenger. There was still one name on the list, yours. And so this whole scene is played out as a moment to like be the revelation of like, oh, Fury can call Danvers in and he goes to go get the beeper and all that jazz. But I like that they have that build up, but then there's a pause where Fury figures out how to handle this on his own. And so it explores this idea of Fury being the heart of the Avengers, not necessarily within the connection of the team, but just, again, there was an idea. It was Fury's idea, and he brought these people together, and even when he's down to the last leg, literally him, it still takes shape. Yeah, I like you. I like that you put it that way. Because uh, I said, you know, I guess it's, you know, off pod, but I never thought of Fury as an Avenger. I just thought of him as the orchestrator, if you will, of the Avengers. But yeah, I also just realized, as you said that, this is a universe, I guess, Coulson's still alive. Yeah. Because there's- He made it out. Yeah. Good for Coulson. <laughs> you know, we talked about this off mic before we got into the subject. Part of the reason why I wanted to make sure we talked about Coulson is he somehow slipped through all of our review. I think Iron Man and Iron Man 2 is where he's most prominent, and we didn't mention him much at all. Well, you know, again- he didn't have much to do. He really didn't. It was like a show up and it it really was, he was used as that connective tissue from movie to movie. Yeah. You know, he showed up in Iron Man, established at the shield, show up in Iron Man 2, um, Thor, not really Captain America, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and just gave you those little connections. I don't remember. Coulson didn't show up in Incredible Hulk. I don't think so. I think the only connective tissue we have was the Tony Stark post-credit scene. So, like, so, I mean, it was, he didn't have a, I mean, God, when you consider what people think of Coulson, you know, fans-wise, he didn't have a lot of screen time. But like you said, Mm -hmm. I think that's a credit to Clark Gregg. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Son of Cole. 
Well, that's going to wrap it up for our thoughts in the Fury's Big Week section, which will bring us into the next one, which is called Natasha's Mission. This is going to center on everything regarding Romanoff's time in the episode where she is covertly trying to track down who is responsible for all the murders that are taking place. So, Jude, we're starting with you this time. Where would you like to start? My favorite part honestly in favor is probably too strong of a word but the part that oh that i really enjoyed in both watches was how they took the winter soldier elevator scene but then put it at least for me and then put it into the scene where natasha escapes from the truck yeah that i i just thoroughly enjoyed both times it and again i talked about how there was influences from the mcu in the previous section I mentioned the Winter Soldier part for Natasha. That fits in wonderfully, especially with them doing the the elevator scene payoff here. Yeah. Well, and it's the same crew. And they even have hints to it, too, which is whenever she's being carted off, you hear Rumlow mention, like, hey, Pierce wants Natasha for questioning. At that point in the prime timeline, we didn't really know that they were Hydra. But because of what we were talking about earlier about this being so dependent on our knowledge, it is fun that you get a glimpse of that um, that reality of what it could mm-hmm. be with Hydra. And I think it helps seed the idea that what's going on might be Hydra-related yeah. and not necessarily the revelation with Hank Yeah, it's end. a nice misdirect. Um, the trust still from Fury's part to Natasha, which is very similar to, like I said, Winter Soldier. Yeah. 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 So I do have more to say, but I want to go ahead and take some time here to show some appreciation for Lake Bell, who is the voice actress for Natasha Romanoff. I think she did a really, really good job. And the thing that stuck out to me is Scarlett Johansson has a certain cadence to her line delivery in the movies that I think Lake Bell nailed here in the What If series. And much like what I was saying with Josh Keaton with Steve Rogers in the first episode, it feels like there is a mixture of something new and something familiar in their performance. And I just wanted to highlight that here with Lake Bell. You know what? I I will say that, and just to add on, I don't think I missed Scarlett Johansson not being there. Same for for Robert Downey Jr., same for, like I said, Steve Rogers, Chris Evans. Like, Like, it didn't, not hearing or recognizing their voices didn't take me out. Of it at all. And I, and I think that's what you're just saying, a credit to the work that they did, the, the the voice actors. And, you know, I have his name here. I had it for straight thoughts, but I'll pull it up. Mick Wingert is the voice of Tony Stark in this episode. Oh, yeah. Like, my, my very first note was Stark really sounds like the actors. Yeah. You know, and it was something I was really worried about because that second trailer we got for What If, it opened up with, I'm assuming, the same voice actor for... Tony Stark and I just remember thinking like ooh that is a bold choice to start this episode with that rendition of Tony Stark because that felt way off so I've been very apprehensive about seeing Tony Stark in this but in this episode I think he nailed it absolutely okay uh side note as I went to IMDB just now to pull up the cast um yeah you know when you go to seasons and you go look for the episode there's thumbnails up for all the episodes uh don't go look <laughs> oh no did you just get spoiled I, a little bit oh a little bit so yeah just uh don't do that stay away from yeah don't you know shame on me for wanting to i don't know give credit to voice actors and try to look up their names and get spoiled for things see 
<laughs> this is going to make sense when you get to the end of the episode and you don't even know what I want to do yet. But chronologically, as you're listening to it, this is I've always felt a tinge of guilt that we never really highlight the writers and the directors every time we do an episode because of what just happened to you is exactly why I never I, look at I know, them. right? <laughs> oh, man. So I'm sorry, dude. That sucks. It's all right. I blame IMDb. <laughs> yeah. Should have gone to Wikipedia. Yeah. And actually, what I wanted to check is Michael Douglas voiced. Yes, yeah, it was and him. that's the thing is like how you mentioned like seeing Josh Brolin's name in the beginning. They didn't have Michael uh-huh. Douglas's name in the beginning. Oh, that's good. I didn't even. I, I actually start like I pick a point when the the opening intro is playing, and I just keep my eyes fixated on it so I don't read any yeah. of the names. Well, like I didn't. I on the second watch, I was looking for it because of what you said about Brolin, mm-hmm. and I did not see it unless I'm just like that dumb. <laughs> Well, Adam, so you need to know. People can let us know. <laughs> <laughs> is Jude J. Hubbard. There it is. Friend Daniel's going to be like, Friend Daniel's going to like blow up on this and my brother Daniel's going to jump in. We'll do a poll. <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> yes or no. It's dangerous. Oh, my man. wife will respond. Like it, it's, we're going to probably get the most engagement saying yes. <laughs> Ever. I wouldn't do that to you. Maybe. Transitions are hard. Let's jump back in. Um, Also, I wanted to look up like Lake Bell. Lake Bell was the voice of Vanessa Fisk in Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Uh, Chloe in Secret Lives of Pets 2 Mm -hmm. uh, crossed over to the DC Universe. Harley uh, and the Harley Quinn TV series did Poison Ivy and a couple of others. Um, See if there's anything. Drunk History TV series. She shows up. And Secret Life of Pets. Chloe on the first one as well. And I'm going to say Robot Chicken a couple of times. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Black Widow and Robot Chicken back in 2012. Okay. Yeah. Man. So this goes all yeah. the way back. Uh, and Ariel and Black and uh, Robot Chicken. So yeah, you know, um, awesome. Well, speaking about Natasha in this episode in particular, um, we've, we've kind of talked a little bit about it already, but just to put a final point on it, I do like that they adapted so much of trust being vital to Natasha's character. Uh, we already highlighted the Winter Soldier influences, which was our first real glimpse into it. But after seeing Black Widow, we know how important trust is to her character. And to have them have that moment where she's in handcuffs and she's kind of like pleading, like, I didn't do this, but nobody's going to believe me. And then Nick Fury comes in and it's like, I believe you. You're the safest bet I'll ever make. That was just really nice. And it's these little... Man, these calculated, like, quick punches of sincerity that I think is working for this episode. And again, I think that goes back to being able to build off of our knowledge, off of these characters. Do you think they had Loki and Jamie Alexander, Lady Sif, do their voice work while filming, since they were there, while filming Loki? Well, you know, this didn't make a cut of an episode, but we had that little debrief with friend Daniel where we were talking about some speculation stuff I won't get into here, but I made like part of my rationale for a scenario I was pitching was that Tom Hiddleston did the voiceover for the making of documentary. And I was under the impression that happened because they were working on what if as well. And since you already have the voice recording set up, why not go ahead and just do that too? Yeah. I don't think it'd it'd be that hard of a stretch to say like, Hey, maybe, I mean, they were already working on one thing. Why not just kind of save time and do that too? I mean, you don't have to bring them in separately. I mean, they don't shoot things in order on movies anyways. These, these 
professionals can do something like that. Yeah. Yeah, just a thought. Interesting thought. You know, another one of the things that I really wanted to hone in on here in this Natasha's mission section is I really appreciate the love that they're showing towards Incredible Hulk. I feel like that's a movie that often gets shortchanged a lot within the MCU canon uh, to the point that I think people often forget it is part of the MCU. Yeah. So I, I, I have a soft spot for it. So it was really nice to see it here throughout the majority of her storyline. And again, it's more of that cause and effect storytelling where because Stark died, Nat is now involved with Bruce Banner, whereas previously she was tied up in Iron Man 2. So it's, it's, it's fun to see those shifts. Well, my note made the Incredible Hulk relevant, exclamation point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just did. Like, you have to have a working knowledge of that movie. And that's, like you said, the scene, not just that, but that scene is like a skippable movie. Really. And so I'm I'm glad they went in that direction. Uh, it was good to see Betsy Ross come back. Obviously, they didn't bring Liv Tyler back to voice it. I think that's okay, you know. But yeah, I General Ross actually sounded like General Ross, even though it wasn't. Um, yeah, so that I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That was really good. There was a moment during that sequence, though. I was going to save this for Stray Thoughts, but I'm going to go ahead and bring it up. When Natasha landed after jumping out the window... window all I thought was what a poser. <laughs> All I thought was what a poser. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to keep having Scarlett Johansson and Black Widow within the MCU moving forward. But because of the Black Widow solo movie, I don't think I could ever take a, another landing seriously. So maybe it's good that the character's gone. Well, even when, even when Fury did his landing after Matrix flipping over Loki, I was just like, poser. <laughs> Poser. <laughs> Man, where's Florence Pugh when you need her? <laughs> you know, I know our friends over at MC Rewind, they have a count of the superhero landing going on within the MCU. Yeah. I hope they've adapted it to just being posers. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, that'd be great. That'd be great. Just rename it the poser count. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So one more thing to talk about Hulk before we move back to Natasha. Man, what a horrific way for Hulk to go. Um, this is even more of a tangent. Like, I know this isn't a Hulk-focused episode, but I hope the MCU gets away from using the Hulk as a way to set the stakes of how desperate things are. Because it feels like the last few depictions we've had of him has been exactly that. So in Infinity War, you had him losing to Thanos. In uh, Endgame, you had him snapping and showing how much it damaged him. And then in this one, you had him exploding, which really set the tone of like, oh, they're up against something really big here. Yeah. You know what? It was interesting. Uh, my cousin Paul, who I mentioned earlier, texted me and said, I didn't expect how mature the storyline would be. Like, I was legit shocked when the Hulk blew up. It's dark. Yeah. And, and for me, the one that really got me was the Chippendales line. I was like, mm -hmm. H range. Do these kids know and whatnot? But it's, it's TV 14. They're thinking of the squirrels. No, I'm not thinking of the squirrels. No, I'm joking. Oh, okay. I said, the kids oh, are thinking okay. of the squirrels. I know okay. you're I'm not thinking it. of the squirrels, but I'm just saying like, like that line. And like, I'm thinking age range of like, you, you know, um, but it's, it's TV 14. And, and my cousin Paul even said, thinking back to that first episode, Captain Carter was really messing up those people in more than a PG manner, end quote. But I mean, yeah, he's right. Like, and, and I think that's the other kind of maybe disconnect that I had is in that such a cartoon feel. 
and again, not in a pejorative sense, but it's such a cartoon feel, but it's not. And it, and it, it's in this weird space. Yeah. Well, I'll have more to say on this once we get into the last important topic, but you were zoning in on something that I'm feeling definitely with this episode. And you know, this will round out my thoughts for this Natasha's mission section. I think I am more lukewarm on this episode than most. And that's not to say I don't like it because there are parts of it that I do enjoy, but I keep going back and forth on how I ultimately feel about it. However, the scene that I think puts me more on the positive side than the negative is whenever Natasha was in the library and she's doing kind of the last bits of research before discovering who is behind all of this, there is genuine tension of watching her kind of just looking over her shoulder. And I think that moment solidifies that despite my conflicted feelings, this episode nailed the emotional investment of the story. Yeah. So for all the hangups I may have about tone and stuff like that, they're, they're working effectively with story beats. Oh yeah. It was interesting for me on, on Natasha, you know, she had that line, who do I kill? And my thought was like, well, I guess she's not interested in clearing her ledger. You know, but at the same time, it makes sense though when when you when you think of the reaction to Martin's murder and where we're at within Phase One. Yeah, at this point, she definitely hasn't had that influence of Barton believing that she can change. Like it's still very early on in her journey. Well, and that's gone now. You know, those little ripple effects that spinning the web of the multiverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's going to round out our Natasha's mission section, which will leave us with the assassin as our next most important topic. So this is going to deal with the revelation that it was Hank Pym who was exacting revenge on S.H.I.E.L.D. for the death of his daughter. So starting with me this time, I got to say Michael Douglas, I think, might be the MVP of this episode. Oh, absolutely. So much of this episode hinges on the mystery of the murders. And even after getting to that moment where you can piece it together in the library, the reveal of Hank Pym is as satisfying as it is for me because of Michael Douglas's performance. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was really good. It was, it, and what's interesting is I, I keep going back to this idea of like, it feels like a cartoon, the way the lines are delivered and everything. It didn't feel that way for me with Michael Douglas's performance. Not at all. And even with his sillier lines, it still feels authentic. Yeah, it was it was really yeah. good. I like that he was in the yellow jacket suit, but with the helmet of Ant-Man. Yeah, that was really good. And, you know, it, it makes sense that Pym would be pushed to this edge after the loss of his daughter because he was already skirting the line of legality in the Ant-Man movies. Like, he was clearly okay with breaking the law for things that he deemed just. And that was just being on the fringe of his daughter's life. Now that she's completely gone and he has no one left... Of course, he's going to devolve into this deranged supervillain that he becomes in this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, th- this was th- this this was the surprise that T'Challa as Star-Lord should have been, but without but they showed it in the teaser. I got gotcha. mm-hmm. you. Know. So, you know, I mentioned it in the previous section about having more to say about the feeling of it being a cartoon. The first two episodes, I think we really talked about the positives of what the animation brought. So, for example, in the first episode, we mentioned they were really able to flex the super soldier serum for Peggy. Uh, In the second episode, it allowed us to extend believability to something like a pacified Thanos. In this episode, I think this is where I felt the animation hurt the episode more. 
than the previous two. And it was really in that moment where we saw Nick Fury fighting Hank Pym. So obviously the payoff of the moment is that it's not Fury. It's actually Loki disguised as Fury. But because the tone of this episode is so all over the place, I honestly didn't know if the episode was asking me to buy in that like Nick Fury had his I can do this moment and now he's just like all over the place doing flips and fighting and he could have done this all along or the actual moment was like, no, he's just teamed up with Loki and it feels distracting. It's not bad. And I think if you do this in live action, there is a moment where you can kind of be like, oh, okay, I get it. But I can't tell which way they want me to go with that scene. Yeah, and that makes complete sense. Yeah. Because my first watch was like, okay, Fury's a badass. All right. And then once he started, <laughs> you know, I was like, I, I can believe that. And then, but once he started doing like the other stuff, I'm just like, so he's an X Man? <laughs> what if Nick Fury was a mutant? Right? Like uh, there. And then, and then when they hit the icicle, I was like, okay, it's Loki. You know, and, and so, yeah, I completely understand there. I mean, my single note on that is still not a fan of the animation style. Um, I'm just, I'm just not, and I won't be, and that's okay. And that's, yeah, yeah. that's fine. So, and, and, and just to hide like the tone, like it feels bad. Cause like, I'm not, not liking it. I'm enjoying these, but there is this feeling of the tone. Like you have this super serious moment, like who do I kill? Yeah. And then you have a moment with Colson. Oh man, he smells like lavender whenever he's sniffing a dead body. And it's just like, I, it, it feels like whiplash sometimes between mm-hmm. these episodes. And I think it is attributed like they're tackling big stories in less than 30 minute chunks. Yeah. But that, that was one of the negatives I had. I do want to bring it back to a positive by saying we now have two entries where Fury isn't actually Fury. And in both cases, Samuel L. Jackson does an amazing subtle job with making that work. So, for instance, you don't know it until you watch it in hindsight, but there's clues to it not really being him. Uh, Whenever Fury, quote unquote, is talking to Hank Pym and he's and Pym's like accusing him for being over the grave of his daughter. Uh, Fury says something like, oh, don't worry about her. She's dead. She won't mind. And it was just like, at first I was like, man, this is a very harsh line to come from Fury. And then he has another one. He's like, I never cared about any of them. And it doesn't make sense until you see him as Loki. But I like, like half of it is attributed to the writing, obviously. But Samuel L. Jackson, I think really is selling those lines. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, wow, that's, so what's he doing? Is he trying to egg him on, trying to make a mistake here? You know, kind of, kind of thing. And then the second watch was like, yeah, this is Loki, of course. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And you can even notice it in the, like, oh, her mother was an agent, too? Like, there's genuine yeah. shock there. Or how he always says everybody's first name, like, Hank Pym, Anthony Stark, Clint Barton. Like, he goes through everybody's name because he doesn't know these people. He was just given the information to make this work. Right. Yeah. That's a good catch on the mm-hmm. on the dialogue there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, there, there's nice care taken to the fact that it's not actually Fury. And I guess they've had practice after Far From Home. (laughs) Scroll along. Uh, I just want to circle back to one thought about the whole murder mystery thing. Yeah. The way Natasha said it's hope, it was hope all along, that I immediately thought hope Van Dyne. Like there was no question, you know, and then it was just, it was kind of like, okay, why are you dragging your feet of Fury should pick up on this, you know? But that was a really good misdirect because I thought hope was the killer. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Even when she was on the computer, you see Hope Van Dyne. No, no, you don't. You see uh, Janet Van Dyne. Yeah. And she she makes that line of like, how does a person who died two years ago access files? So yeah, I definitely felt that misdirect yeah. with you. That was that was my thought. So with the assassin 
important topic out of the way, we're going to go ahead and jump into our last important topic, which is simply Fury's Resolve. So when the episode ends, we see that Loki decides to take over Earth anyway, and Fury is left without any of the original Avengers, which allows him to give this speech about the ideas still being alive and finding new Avengers to take their place. So, uh, Jude, do you have any place you'd like to start there? It's still within the week. Loki made quick work of Earth without the Avengers. Right? You know, it was like, what now? Next day, he's at the UN. Neil, <laughs> you will meant to be ruled and I'm your ruler, whatever the speech is. Thank you, my yeah, loyal subjects. Right? Um, I do like, though, that they did acknowledge Carol like that was an option. and that she showed up yeah they really they got to plant that seed and have the moment of like fury being like no i can do this and then by the end it's like but we're gonna bring carol danvers in anyway and i mean it's like yeah you've got like the heaviest of hitters why not so he made the same mistake right not calling carol in soon enough so maybe the what if is what if (laughs) nick fury wasn't (laughs) arrogant (laughs) that would be a short episode oh man <laughs> Captain Marvel's here. And I feel like we're talking bad. I love Captain Marvel. I love the movie. Oh, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. the ridiculous power set. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Use mm-hmm. the pager. <laughs> well, we got close this time. Yeah. So maybe in another what if episode. But no, circling back, I do want to highlight you talked about how quickly Loki took over without the Avengers. It's a fun callback to the Loki series where Mobius was very dead set on you are there to inspire the others to reach their great potential. And so in this universe where they're not there, Loki gets to have everything he wanted, which is nice. Yeah. Although it would be neat if like, (laughs) like, oh, well, here's where it would be possible. Okay. So it would be neat if they did this, but I'm glad they didn't. And I hope, you know, you know, those like how it should have ended shorts on YouTube. Yeah. What I want to see is one of these, this episode with how it should have ended, where like Miss Minutes and the TVA shows up the moment Stark is, is killed <laughs> and Hank Pym gets pruned. That's, mm-hmm. that would be fun. Okay. So I'm going to bring this up. This was a discussion that I was having with Leech, and this is her theory. So I don't want to take credit for this, but you just spurred something in my mind to click. She mentioned that, like we said, the first episode very clearly defined choice. Second episode, less clear. Third episode, even less clear. She brought up the idea of what if something's going on behind the scenes that we're not privy to yet, and that's why things are getting more chaotic, to which I told her, I was like, maybe we were watching the exponential expansion of a multiverse, because this is taking place after the threshold, and that could also explain why the Watcher is that much more curious in what's going on and why these are less defined because these are the things, these are the potentials that could happen, but the TVA always came in and now they're not coming in and they're getting more and more wild. Now, I will say that these have to be separate universes each episode. And the only Uh reason why I say that is, rather than be connected, is we see the frozen cap before Carol Danvers shows up and... We know that um, we have Captain Carter. Okay, yeah, that's a great point. These are conflicting timelines at that point. Yeah. That's a good catch. You know, coming back to this idea of it being Fury's resolve, so much of this episode is exploring that Fury's idea is more than just the heroes who compromise the prime timeline. And so it makes me happy that this episode is bookended with Fury starting 
the episode by practicing the speech that we're all familiar with. And then by the time we get to the end of the episode, he's delivering a new one with a more full-throated confidence. So that's just a fun tie-in from start to finish regarding that idea. And you can even see it because almost exactly at the halfway point, Fury is doubting his belief in the idea when they're in the uh, coroner's office. And he goes, there was an idea. And he was kind of just exasperated by it. So uh, again, very just great pacing of all their story beats. Yeah. And one last thing that I wanted to touch on for again, for all the quibbles I may have with this episode, it really, it, it, it broke through, I think, to a core of something I wasn't really expecting. There's the line that Fury has where we see the caskets of the Avengers or the uh, candidates for the Avengers since they never really formed. And he delivers that line of, they were an idea, the affirmation of humanity's need to believe that in our darkest hour, we will find our heroes. And then that's followed up with the Watcher talking about how as long as somebody keeps their good eye on the big picture, hope never dies. Mm And, you know, we mentioned how this was a very dark episode. I love that they brought it back to this uplifting place with those last two or that last one, two punch of a a delivery. And, you know, and, and opening up a little bit, like clearly the MCU has become like an escape for me. Like I love these stories because of that, you know, superhero fantasy of like clinging on to a larger idea of hope. And I don't know, it, 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 it hit me in a way I wasn't expecting by the end of this episode. So yeah. I do appreciate it. Yeah. You know, and you're right. They were able to end on such an ominous feeling with Loki, but able to tie it together with some sense of hope. You're right. That was really good. Yeah. So it was hope all along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Rather I mean, than hey. Agatha. All along. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm on fire. <laughs> oh my God. Man, you weren't, I know this was probably still going to be in the edit, but when the, uh, the stuff that's probably going to be, cut out where you said man uh-huh i like it that you're loopy <laughs> and i because that's what you get yeah Just saying. I, well i've never felt so conflicted in someone tooting their own horn while me also appreciating the song of the horn that was playing <laughs> i liked your joke but the speed at which you said i'm on fire was amazing too <laughs> <sighs> okay so how do we get back to this uh, do we go to straight thoughts? Yeah, let's get into straight thoughts. Okay. So that's going to do it for the most important topics, but we're going to round this episode off with some of our straight thoughts. So Jude, do you have any straight thoughts for this episode? Uh, I like the shot with the watcher in the clouds. I thought that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. The line probably not going to work out for anyone. Uh, the little nod to the Avengers from Banner. I loved that. Uh, I did think it was a nice use of Loki's powers though. And the, the way they just showed him off in the, the duplicating or, or whatever, however he defined it in Loki. Your theory of are we seeing the shield too much? We see it again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's there. And I thought it was cool that, you know, you and Colson had the same password. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend text me. Uh, he was like, hey, tell me when you seen the episode. And I, was, and I didn't watch it till late. So it was like in the evening when I finally texted him. And I was like, hey, I've seen it. I've seen it. And he just put, I heard Steve. <laughs> and I was like, yep, I'm changing all my passwords now. I've been outed. Oh, that's so funny. Kevin Feige, super fan. He must have yeah. hacked your computer. Getting doxxed by <laughs> Kevin Feige. <laughs> yeah. What are your stray thoughts? You know, you, you hit on one of them with the shot of the watcher. I wanted to wrap it up in all of this. Regardless of the animation style, I think the way 
they are composing these shots in this season is outstanding. You mentioned the one with the Watcher. Uh, I love the one where Fury is standing as the shield truck drives away with uh, Natasha. Uh, The reflection of Fury and Coulson as Barton is sitting against the wall. And... The shot, I, I don't know if this is the one you were talking about, but the uh, the one over the San Francisco bridge where the watcher's just on looking. Um, really, really well done. No, actually, I was thinking of the one when Coulson was driving back with his double mocha. Yeah. Yeah. But no, the, you're right. One with the bridge is good, too. Um, I touched on this a little bit. The sniffing joke is weird. Mm-hmm. I get, like, I don't know. The dude's dead. <laughs> like, I don't know why they needed to show Coulson yeah. sniffing him. And I know, I know they're trying to play off, you know, the God Man Infinity War thing, but it's... It's just weird. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't, I don't think it landed how they how they hoped it would. At least for me. And definitely me too. Uh, my last straight... Well, unless all Asgardian smell of lavender upon death. I think that that's an episode <laughs> for another day. <laughs> oh, man. My last uh, straight thought. We... Sp- spent so much time talking about voice acting and the effectiveness of different characters. I think this is the first time where Loki's voice acting far outpaced the animation. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen it where like the acting didn't live up. Like for example, in, in my opinion, Bucky, uh, we've seen it where it's in sync with Michael Douglas and Hank Pym, but there was so much more emotion in Tom Hiddleston's voice as Loki in a very stilted animation of the character. Oh yeah. I completely agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was, we're getting, we're getting the gambit of results when it comes to animation. Well, especially when we've just finished watching six episodes of Loki yeah. and, and what he went through and what Tom Hiddleston gave us, you know, including the documentary, a simple documentary. So you know, I wonder, is this going to get an assembled? That would be a very interesting assembled if we get it. I hope we do. Yeah, I do too. I'm really enjoying this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, these were our thoughts on season one, episode three of What If? What If the World Lost Its Mightiest Heroes? This episode was written by A.C. Bradley and Matthew Chauncey and directed by Brian Andrews. But we want to hear your stray thoughts. So if you have any thoughts or opinions on this episode, you can always reach us at MC you Need to Know on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we've been doing a lot of bonus extras on our feed as well. So if you're enjoying this episode, there's a lot more to find on our social media. And of course, if you'd like to join a larger community of people just as excited about the MCU as we are, you can join our Discord uh, where you can find a link in the show notes. And of course, once you get to the Discord, make sure you go to the Roll Assign channel, Click on the eye emojis and you will have access to all the spoiler channels where you can find Trey, myself, friend Daniel, Leach, any number of wonderful people uh, to talk about the MCU. And of course, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast catcher. Make sure you follow us. And the best thing you can do for us is share with a friend. Yeah. We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on a SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And Jude, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Trey. We'll see you all next week. Oh, man. I had a sparkling water. I just burnt up. It's okay. I'm just yawned again. Why am I so tired? Oh, good timing. I don't know. I know why. Okay. I woke up like twice in the middle of the night last night. Oh, that and, sucks. Yeah. I'm kind of trying to go to bed. I got a cramp in my calf that's still sore today. 
Ah, uh, that sucks. I hate when that happens. <sighs> Getting old. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, are we going to do another call to action before we jump into the spoiler zone? Um, hmm. Is that something we want to do every episode or kind of alternate it? Um, last week we did it. Yeah. Well, I don't know what I'm asking because um, I'm not sure what would be most effective. Mm, let's do it every other week. Okay. And if we have a guest on, we'll skip it that week regardless and then just start the pattern over. Well, are we having a guest next week? Because if we are, we can go ahead and I do it this I, week. Uh, but we were supposed to have this week, but he couldn't make it. And so we never, this was during last week where we didn't really have a lot of communication. So I just never got to reschedule anything. Okay. We can try. Is that a straw? That's a straw. <laughs> what are you doing? I have my my drink. I'm readjusting the straw so I can drink it. Oh my god! I want a supercut of all your drinks throughout the MC. You need to know history. I'm like Stark. Stark's always eating. I'm always drinking. That sounds bad. I always have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> How fitting! I'm like Stark. I'm always drinking. <sighs> Yeah, that might not be the comparison you think it is. <laughs> no, no, it was not. Oh, I'm glad you caught it, though. <sighs> oh, man. <laughs> I think we jump into the spoiler zone. No call to action. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> we had trouble getting into the spoiler zone last week, too, but okay. I know. Maybe what if is what if Trey forgets how to transition? <laughs> no kidding. Wow. Okay. <laughs> what? Like you've been complaining about your transitions this whole time. I know, but usually that's room for encouragement. <laughs> now nah, you're doing great. No, I'm just. It's, you can't. You can't listen to me right now. <laughs> just you got to ignore me. Okay. All right. Here we go. I'm gonna get us into the the spoiler oh, zone. Gosh. Oh, I didn't hit pause on the recording, so we're now at like an hour. You did or didn't? Didn't. Yeah, that's fine. That's what no, we no, no. Right? I meant when I say pause on the on the stopwatch. So, oh, so I got gotcha. That's now useless. That's fine. Listen, we've crossed the threshold. We no longer need the stopwatch. Yep. All right. Look, we went what forty episodes before we had a stopwatch. I think we'll be fine for one. <laughs> Uh, so I think all I got to do is just say like, that's going to do it for Fury's big, <laughs> what is with your drink? I'm at the end. I'm at the bottom. I'm trying to get, I'm milking it for all it's worth. <laughs> oh God. I, I'm fine with that, but it feels like you're slurping it right into the mic. <laughs> well, cause, cause the mic is hanging right off my ear with the earbuds. Oh. And so it's like right by the straw. Yeah, I can't talk right now because I got the ice in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I know you said don't listen to you at this point. I am glad you're very loopy, though. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I'm so loopy. This this feels like a glimpse of what it would be like for you to do the 24-hour stream. (laughs) Yeah, I could imagine that. Okay. All right. Let me uh, let me wrap up that important topic and we'll jump in.